Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your goodness, Lord. We uh, thank you for this time. And Father, we pray that you would speak to us through your word, Lord. And Father, you would just, um, those who are here and don't know you, that you would just minister your grace and love for them. And Lord, for those who know you, you would minister to them of their need of abiding in you and being committed to you, Lord. So we thank you. We love you. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible, I'm going to speak to you out of Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 down to 25. The message is entitled, Jesus is born of a virgin. You know, we live in a day of great skepticism and downright uh, hostility against uh, Christianity and the claims of the Bible, as you know. Um, our nation has strayed from her original principles of the founding fathers. Our nation is now denying the very God that is just um, represented in all our documents of the nation, including our Constitution. Every monument in Washington would have to be destroyed to deny our past history. They can stop teaching history, but they will have to dem demolition all the monuments in Washington. I don't know if you've ever gone to Washington, any of you, but um, uh, it'd be a great trip for you to go. It's worth saving your money and go to the, the Capitol where you see every monument with scripture all over the place. And you read the history of our nation, all that went on. And in spite of that, just up the road, you have Congress and the Senate and even the presidential um, White House there legislating and saying things that are so contradictory to the very basic truth of our history. Now, America has never been a Christian nation, but it was founded on Christian principles. Not everybody in America was Christian at one time at any time, but it was based on the Christian Judeo foundation. The God that the Constitution and Bill of Rights and all speaks about is the God of the Bible. That is the spirit in which all of our documents were written. And that's why I believe God has been so faithful and so good to America through the years, in spite of the evil that we have committed ourselves to. Because God used America as a beacon of light for the rest of the world. But now we have slipped into such darkness that I don't know if we'll ever be able to turn our nation around. But that's neither here nor there. The important thing is, can God turn you around from the darkness that you're in? See, God does judge nations. Matthew 25 speaks that when Jesus returns, he will judge the nations and separate them sheep from the goat. The book of Daniel tells us that he judges nations. Babylon was judged by Medo-Persia. Medo-Persia was judged by the Greek Empire. And Greece was judged by Rome. And Rome kind of dissipated and it's going to be revived in the ten-nation confederacy. And then God will judge this ten toes headed by the Antichrist. So God's in control. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's waiting until his enemies be made a footstool. And yet, as we read the message here of his incredible birth, as silly as it may sound, as impossible as it may sound, you have to make a decision 
whether this is God's revelation of truth or it's God's revelation of lies. And that decision that you make will determine where you spend eternity. The accusation that God sends people to hell is an absolute lie. God gave His only begotten Son, as we'll see, to die in your place that you might not have to die the second death to be eternally separated from God and pay for your own sins. He crucified His own Son in your place. And so Matthew here is the message of the gospel, the birth of the Savior of the world. In spite of all the skepticism that is around our nation as well as the world, God still insists on proclaiming the same old message. Because the same old message is the only thing that can save a sinner. You can't work for it. You cannot try to outweigh your bads with your goods. You cannot claim your family heritage. You cannot claim your education. You cannot use anything to say that you have the right to enter heaven. The Bible is clear. All deserve hell. All fall short of the glory of God. So every man and woman that will be in heaven will have come through believing the message that we're going to look at here. Let me read here Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with a child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man... And not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with a child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her. Till she had brought forth her firstborn son and the child. Um, and he called uh, his name Jesus. Matthew records here the miraculous birth of Jesus through the most natural events of life in a threefold movement. Here you have the personal devastation to Joseph in verse 18 and 19. And you can imagine, we're going to see that he's engaged with this young girl. And he gets this devastating news. You talk about being destroyed in life and having all your hopes just crushed. Then you have the personal illumination to him in verse 20 and 21 that we'll see by God's grace. And then it finishes off with the prophetic anticipation. What's Joseph going to decide? This is a perfect picture of every one of you here if you don't know Jesus Christ. Notice here first the personal devastation in verses 18 and 19. Mary's reputation is given to us in verse 18. She's betrothed. 
She's 14 to 16 years old, and she has been engaged to this man. Family arrangement. That's the way they used to do it. And in this betrothal period, you were in it for about a year. But while you were in it in this year, you lived in the house of, of, the, of the man's uh, father. But there was no sleeping together. There was no consummation. There was no sexual intercourse. During that one period, you lived as husband and wife. At the end of that year, if you decided you didn't want to follow through with it, then you had to write a legal writing of divorce. And that's why you could be a virgin divorced, because it was during this one-year betrothal. Okay? This is when the news comes to Joseph. Now put yourself in that position. Here you're getting ready for your wedding and... You know, before they come together, before they have any sexual intercourse, she's found with the child of the Holy Spirit. And she comes to you and says, Hey, Joseph, listen, i got to tell you something. I'm pregnant, but it's by the Holy Spirit. Now, you got to make a decision. You see? See, sometimes we read the gospel and we forget the difficulty and, and, and the, uh, the obstacles But when God reveals the gospel, there's a decision that each of us have to make. But God enables, as we're going to see, by the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. And He calls us to believe His word by faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. All three gospels, by the way, attest to her purity. That she was a virgin. Okay? Many people attack that. Or you believe that message, she was a virgin, had a child. Yep. So they call you gullible. Ignorant. No, God calls me saved. <laughs> Joseph hesitated. Notice. His hesitation is in verse 19. Joseph, her husband, being virtuous during his betrothal period, was a just, upright man. He loves her. He doesn't want her to be put away as an example, meaning she would be stoned. He doesn't want to expose her publicly. He loves her, but he's got a dilemma here. Do I really believe what she's telling me? I mean, this is a real human situation. He's a real man. He minded to put her away privately, he decided. Well, I'll give her the divorce, but we'll do it kind of low-key. This way she won't be humiliated publicly. And, um, and the stoning won't be pushed. Difficult situation. It's much like many of you young people. You have two choices about creation. Either you're going to believe the evolutionary model in the public school system in the universities. That it happened through the Big Bang or from a polywog. Or that God created all things. It's your choice what you're going to believe. What you believe is going to determine who you really are. Whether you are a Christian who believe God or who, or maybe you're a pancake have done. And you want to straddle the fence. You see, you can't have both. It's either one or the other. If you believe God, they're going to call you stupid. You believe them, they're going to call you a genius. But let me propose to you that hell is full of geniuses. 
and heaven full of people of faith who trusted God. If you are here tonight and don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have to think. And you may be thinking what will happen if you do believe the message of the birth here. What will my parents say? What will my friends say? What will my girlfriend, my boyfriend say? And too often we make decisions based on our eternity, based on what other people think. And that's the wrong way to think. Why would you believe the message that defies human logic, they would ask you? I thought you were smart. So it's condescending. And nobody wants to feel or think they're stupid. So often when people hear the gospel, they turn their back on Christ. And they choose friends and man over Jesus Christ. But it is a personal choice. God doesn't reject you until you have rejected God. This is the personal devastation to your own life if you don't know him. You stand here tonight and you're going to make a decision on where you're going to spend eternity. It's going to be your choice. God sends no one to hell. You don't have to go to hell. But you have all the right to go to hell if you want to. God won't stop you. It's a choice. Notice, secondly, comes the personal illumination in 20 and 21. First to Joseph about Mary in verse 20. While he thought about these things, you know, all this is really weighing him down. Joseph was pondering the thoughts about these things. And the word there in the Greek seems to, it means to, to resolve and to ponder and to meditate on these things, to deliberate. How, what am I going to do? And maybe you've been in that situation before. You've got a dilemma. If I do this, this is going to happen. If I do that, that's going to happen. And you have to weigh what is the best choice and what's at stake. Here is eternity. And then an angel appeared to him saying, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. You see, he's the legal, legal husband in this one year period. She's just been found pregnant. That's not good. The angel just said, she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now he's got to make a decision. Do I believe God's messenger or do I reject it? God's messenger is giving God's message. You reject the message from the messenger, you're rejecting God. It's the same thing. Calls him the son of David, the heir to the throne. That just was conceived in hers of the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity came upon her. And God conceived the Son by the Spirit of God in the womb of Mary. And Jesus spent nine months like any other baby. When Jesus was born, he didn't pop out like an adult with a beard or anything else. Just like a baby. Mary had to change his diapers. Breastfeed him. Care for him. Just like a normal baby. But it was a God-man. 
by the grace of God. Wow. Notice next, the illumination was to Joseph about the child in 21. He will be a son. He will be called Jesus. The name Jesus in Greek is the translation of the Hebrew, Joshua. Joshua is a contraction of Yahweh Shua. Yahweh is salvation. Who is Jesus? Yahweh is salvation. The Savior of the world. Same name. He will save his people from their sins. The word sin means to miss the mark. All have missed the mark. There's none perfect. The law accuses me of being a sinner. I don't think any of you have ever gotten a citation by a policeman on the freeway at any time for good driving. They don't do that. But I'm sure you've gotten a ticket for bad driving. Okay? And so the law condemns us. The law proves we're sinners. Every time we get behind the wheel of a car, we probably deserve at least 20 tickets in the first mile. And then when the policeman stops us, we have the nerve to get upset and give lame excuses. And if we're Christians, see, we think the Holy Spirit is, is in a black and white with a little light on top rather than obeying God. And so, the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us as Christians. How we live, what we do. Hear the messages, he will save his people from their sins. Everybody is a sinner. The minute the baby is born into this world, that woman just brought a new, rotten, little sinner into the world. Cute, but a professional sinner. And if you're a parent, you know the problem. He's your kid. He's like you. A sinner. You don't have to teach your son to lie, your daughter to lie when they're two years old. Say, hey, let me sit you here. Let me teach you how to lie. They, they'll, they'll catch on real quick. You have to teach them not to lie, not to steal, not to badmouth you. Because of sin nature. The illumination of the Holy Spirit to understand the gospel it's much like night vision. I don't know if you've ever put on night vision. In the dark, you can't see anything. You put that night vision on, just like day. Now, you may be here, and you're not a Christian. And here you are like Joseph, a dilemma. What do I do? Do I believe this thing? Are you kidding? This is crazy. But the Holy Spirit is here to turn on the light. He will give you understanding about the truth of this word. But he won't make the decision for you. You must make this decision. So that at the end of the day, if you reject God and you die and you end up in hell, then God can judge you for rejecting the gospel. Because he didn't reject you until you rejected him. And he didn't consign you to hell until you died and there was no more opportunity to be saved. Because God is holy. God is just. And he must give everybody at least one chance before they die. Otherwise, he would not be able to judge you justly. He wouldn't be able to be holy. 
So forget the question about, how about the pygmies? How about the guy in the bush? Don't worry about them. How about you? You're hearing the gospel right now. God will take care of them. Everybody will get at least one chance. Otherwise, God cannot be holy. He cannot be good. He must be the biggest liar in the world. I choose to believe that he's holy and that he will minister the gospel in whatever way he needs to. Each individual is ever born to this world. God alone empowers his word through the Holy Spirit to make the message of the gospel alive to sinners. I heard the gospel several times before I accepted him when I was 23. And then I made that decision what a difference it made in my life. But I had friends next to me who rejected the gospel. And they remained in the world. Four years later. What a difference their life and mine makes. I've buried many of my friends. Many of them are reaping the consequences of alcohol, drugs. The type of life they lived. Party's over. Lights aren't on. Everybody's on. Nobody's home. Once your youth is gone, your health is gone. Satan says, I'm done with you. Next. You have a decision to invest your youth in the kingdom of God. Or in the kingdom of darkness. The choice is yours. That's why Paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Romans 1, 16 and 17. The gospel. Not philosophy. Not psychology. The gospel saves you. The same old message. And you're required to believe what that message is. For you to be saved like any other generation before you. And if God tarries, the same message will be for the next generation. Listen to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. He's telling the disciples. For if I I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So the Holy Spirit makes the world alive, turns on the light, Allows you to understand. And then he says, now what's your decision? He doesn't decide for you. Jesus made a radical statement. That you cannot, you cannot be neutral. In John 14, 6, he says, I'm, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Do you know how radical that is? In that one statement, Jesus destroyed every sort of philosophy that promises you heaven. Every religion, every ism, every name, Confucius, is dead and in the grave. Buddha is dead and in the grave. Only Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Religions, you've got millions. So you have to make a decision whether Mormons are right or Christianity. Whether Catholicism is right or Christianity. Whether Islam is right or Christianity. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You have to agree with him 
or you have to believe there's the biggest liar that ever existed? Which one is it? How you decide will depend where you spend eternity. Your choice. And so there's personal illumination to believe is provided by the Holy Spirit. Notice lastly, as brief in 22 and 23, the prophetic anticipation. The prophecy of God's fulfillment in 22 and 23. The promise of God through Isaiah the prophet. 714, a virgin shall bear a son, you should call his name Emmanuel. This was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. And Isaiah was prophesying the promise that God gave to Adam in Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman. A woman has no seed. She has the egg. That's the first prophecy of a virgin bearing a son, the Messiah of God. This is the fulfillment of God's promise to Adam and Eve. God's son, Isaiah 9, 6-7, a son shall be given, born to you. His name, Emmanuel, God with us. And that's what you have to decide. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God who became man and he's the son of God? You can't just say he was a good man. You cannot say he's a prophet. If he is not God who became man, then he cannot be a good man and he cannot be a prophet. He has to be the biggest fraud that has ever existed in the earth. But he is the son of God. And he is God who became man. And he's the one who died for your sins. And the only one that can forgive you of your sins and make you right with the Father. As you cast yourself upon him who died for you. The prophecy of God then is embraced by Joseph. He believed the revelation. He took Mary as his wife. And that's the choice that you have to make. Do you believe the message you've heard tonight? Or do you not? You know, the very same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. It all depends on the type of material. The place where the word is to be allowed to enter is your heart. If your heart is open, it'll be like wax. God will do a work in your life. If your heart is like clay, that very same sun will harden it. It'll become more difficult next time. But the choice is yours again. No one will ever be able to blame God. God, you were unfair to me. God, you rejected me. God, you didn't predestine me. No. God doesn't predestine you to heaven or to hell. God lets you choose where you go to heaven or to hell. Because if God predestined you to go to heaven on that side, and he predestined the rest of you not to go to heaven, then how could God judge this side when you come before the judgment and he says, why didn't you accept me? Well, if he predestined you not to be saved, you would have to say because you didn't predestine me. So really, you're responsible for my sin and my lostness. He couldn't judge you righteously, could he? The only way God can judge you is because he gives every person opportunity to accept or reject the gospel. You determine where you're going to spend eternity. And once you die, there is no second opportunity. 
your eternity is sealed. And so, tonight you have to make a decision. Do you believe this story about God becoming man to be the savior of the world? Or do you think it's just a bunch of rubbish? The choice is yours. It is a very important choice. The prophetic anticipation tonight is whether you will believe the message of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your love. And Lord, I pray that you just deal with each person here and those who don't know you. We pray, Lord, you would just minister them your grace and your love. We thank you for them. And Lord, we just pray even now. As you're praying, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to be saved, to repent of your sins. You alone can make that decision. Satan doesn't want you to be saved. All the thoughts about what's going to happen, what if my parents, what if my friend, it doesn't matter. You have to decide where you're going to spend eternity. If you believe what you have heard, if you believe what Matthew has told us, then you can be saved by grace through faith, by calling upon Jesus to forgive you for your sins. Jesus always requested a prayer of repentance. Now, people have altar calls. I don't have altar calls. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not against them. But if you're playing games, then you walk out of here lost. If you're not, right where you sit, you say this prayer to the Lord, He will save you. He will forgive you. And before you leave, we want to give you a Bible absolutely free and give you some counsel as to what you've done and some encouragement for growth. So if you want to be born again, right where you sit right now, you can say this prayer of repentance and He's going to forgive you and give to you eternal life. This is your prayer to Him. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.